Hello and welcome back to the Pilgrims Podcast. My name's Archie and joining me this week is Mark Lovell and Chris Allen. Okay, before we get underway with the pod, gentlemen, give me one thing you like about our wonderful sponsors, Swaz. Chris. Their inflation-busting delivery prices. Delivery within the UK is two ninety nine. Cost that try to send a card. <laughs> try and top that, Alex. I really like. I like how there's so many different templates and options you can build your own kit from. I know one thing that annoys you, Archie, and annoys me as well, especially down in like League One and League Two. When you just see versions of exactly the same Puma kit in different colours, and I think you could have a whole whole division of teams could buy all their all buy their kit from Swaz, and they'd all be able to have a completely original and unique design on, which I, I like. It's fun to play around with their little kit builder. Yeah, yeah. Mark. Yeah, I love some of the team names: Bruschetta, Dortmund. Oh, that's a real person at highlight. Who we got as well? Man v Fat Bolton. I'd love to wear that kit. I think it would come in useful. And uh, not Thin Man Forest. Not Thin Man Forest. So these are all exclusive kits made for these fine clubs all over England. Uh, support your local company. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of uh, info in the pod description, along with an exclusive discount offer. Anyway, on to the pod. <laughs> Mark, what a few days it's been. I'm not quite sure where to start with you, to be honest. How are you feeling? Oh, feeling great. I mean, brilliant win yesterday. I think, uh, you know, after West Brom, uh, you know, we were ex- absolutely not expecting to win so easily against Borough, who'd just beaten Leicester, but we put in the best performance of the season. Um, especially away from home and uh, full value for the three points could have won by more. Uh, amazing, you know, coming off that West Brom performance and all the all the reaction from the fans. You know, full credit to the team, the players, and the staff and Foster for doing it. You know, and uh, let's let's kick on from there. Yeah, Chris, performance of the season. I think it quite possibly is. I think it's. Without doubt, the most significant. Um, I dread to think what this podcast would have been like today had it had we had lost up there. It feels huge. I'd like to think it would have been the same as it always is. Like that, we're not always going to sit here and suddenly start calling for massive change and everything else. We'd said, maybe I'd said, we could easily get no points in February. Right, looking at that run, we've got four. We've still got a game. To, no, no, we got four. It's March when we play Ipswich. Well, I see that's that's four points more than uh, they, that we could have got based on the table. It's also like if you look at yesterday, the context of yesterday's game is so important in so many ways. Like every other result, apart from our friends up at Alton Towers, was kind of against the form book and made our result even more important. Yeah. Um, I think that says a lot about the league. So what happened to us from West Brom to Middlesbrough happened to Middlesbrough 
off the bat. Mm. Yeah. In Leicester, it's it's an unscientific league, which is why I enjoy it so much. So yeah, what- it was a brilliant performance yesterday, right? We had a brilliant performance. Just as likely we then come out and do the same to Ipswich, or we lose 3 0 at home. Social media goes even worse than it was, and the wheels come off. But I think this, the volatility of this division is why I find it so exciting. What did, what did, oh, Simon has often said, it, hasn't he? The correlation between pounds spent and points gained in the championship is the least predictable, is it? Out of all leagues, which is interesting. Yeah, well, yeah, a roller coaster. I think we'll get into that roller coaster in a bit more detail later. Mark, we were, were all hoping for some sort of reaction yesterday. And we started so, so well, didn't we? Not even just with the goal, which came in the seventh minute, but even before that, you had a feeling that the players were fired up for this, didn't you? Well, then just the number of shots on goal, the shots on target. I mean, could literally have been leading four or five nil at half time. You know, Randall had, you know, a, a, that chance where he has to do better. He made the keeper look good in the end. Um, but you know, absolute quality and uh, amazing reaction from West Brom from that game. You know, the depths of despair. So full credit to the side and then the JB top quality playing in that role. You know, see what talent he has. Ryan Hardy, another brilliant finish. That's his angle from the corner of the box, slots it into the corner of the net. Um, you know, it's hard to single out a particular player. Hazard made saves when he needed to. You know, Cooper are back on the bench. You know, for me, um, you know, if Cooper's fit enough to be on the bench, he, he should be starting. But full credit to Connor Hazard, who, you know, showed his own reaction to that West Brom game, you know, it's Cleggy who came in, replaced Ashley Phillips, who, you know, he, I tend to forget he's only 18 and he needs a break and don't give him a hard time. Cleggy was solid, you know, so midfield quality, where do I stop uh, waxing lyrical? Absolute top performance. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to wonder the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Apologies. Apologies. Don't mind apologize. Let's let's ramble in it. Let's no, I was it. I was going to apologise to the listener. Sorry for going no, on. I'm I'm sorry. If we could go back to the first goal. <laughs> <laughs> what were your, oh, sorry. What, I'm, laugh, what were your, I'm laughing like a juvenile. What were your thoughts? The, the first what goal, by the way. The first goal. First goal sums up football, Clive. Because we were on, we were pressing well, we did a good job, but we got the good fortune of a relatively average shot being turned out to somebody who did a relatively average finish. But it was a monumental goal. That's why we love the sport. It, you know, it's so cliche, but it's so true. And Mark, the amount of times heard you say, you know, first goal, first goal, that makes a massive difference to a game, and and it hugely monumentally affected it yesterday that doesn't go in who knows where that game finished yeah maybe less than 10 men miller like catching the ball on the halfway line 10 yards in on the pitch and you know again we're in meltdown mode but but that's the point you've got to ride if you keep doing good things good things happen yesterday we were doing good things 
all the time. That's interesting you say that. Um, Foster, in his post-match um, interview, said that. He said he, he wasn't surprised by the outcome. Not in an arrogant manner, but he feels the signs have been there over his, whatever, 10 or so games in charge. And he stressed the importance of the highs and the lows not being too extreme and that there was some good stuff in the last three games. <laughs> and I, I realise people will then look at West Brom again. We'll come to that later. But it was inter- it was an interesting take, I thought, from Foster afterwards that he was very measured, very measured indeed. And JB, I mean, like you said, it wasn't a terrific shot, but, it, you know, the keeper saved it and then it opened the chance for Sorinola. I mean, who wants to take this? JB in that number 10 role, in that number 10 role, rather, was incredible, wasn't he? I, he was the one lone player on the field, right? Well, don't know if that's important or not, but he was. Everybody else. But as an example of what the lone system can do, in that context, we had 10 players on the pitch. And I can't remember somebody having a better game for us. I'm like in terms of the complete package, again, if you take the context that you know, Middlesbrough are not a bad side. He dominated that game yesterday. He to me, he was what made everything else possible. It was absolutely fantastic. Like worth I, I, I struggle to think if someone will play better this season. I really hope they do. But the way that I've watched football, personally, in case Kirk is listening, that is what a great performance looks like. It had everything. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty special, wasn't it? It was pretty, and it was a shock. It was a shock to see him there. I don't think any of us saw it coming when we, the team news was announced, Mark, and we saw that lineup. We were trying to guess what formation it was going to be. And yeah, it was yeah, it was so many positives. But JB in that number ten role was just yeah, what a pleasure, what a pleasure to watch. Absolute quality because a lot of us went into that game pining for Finazaz, and you know we were expecting Finazaz to score at least two and set up hmm. two, and you know uh, he was substituted, and he it was as as if he he'd never played, and JB put in that man-of-the-match performance and uh, long may it continue. He has been impressive since the start. Divine hasn't really caught the eye. I mean, like I said, we are pining for that type of player after Finn has has departed. But uh, hopefully this is the start of something for the rest of the season with uh, JB. Chris touched on something quite interesting there. I hadn't picked up on it, but there wasn't many of the new January transfer signings in the starting lineup yesterday, only two. In comparison to West Brom, where there was four, and only one loan loan signing, of course, and it was Randall and Halton in in the middle again. And I think that's their first time under Foster playing together from the start. I thought they were both borderline ten out of ten. Yeah, who wasn't? Who wasn't? And you know, don't go down the route of criticising anybody yesterday. But I think that's where you've got to come back and give credit to the manager. Is it in ninety minutes? Because we did lose to Leeds, right? But 90 minutes, he's got four wins, three draws, and three defeats. And during that time, we talked about it a lot. Not only has he had to cope with the upheaval and the change of players and the lack of backroom stuff, he's experimenting with what works and what doesn't. And yesterday was where some of that experimentation 
really worked. And Wednesday was where that experimentation was, sorry, Tuesday was where it fell off a cliff. But I don't think you can criticize him for trying different things. He's still trying to work out what the best combination of players is in the context of every game that we're playing. So to me, rightly or wrongly, in the week, it was like, I'm going to set up for us to try not to lose. And we lost heavily. Yesterday, it just clicked. It just worked. And I think the way that Borough played was a part of that as well, by the way. I think there's, they were hmm. awful. Um, but yeah, sometimes it all works. And sometimes it all Mark. fails. And those two came right on top of each other. Mark? Yeah, amongst, amongst those wins... Those four wins, I mean, a couple away from home, which, uh, you know, you know it's, it's hard for me to see if Schumacher stayed in charge. I don't think, you know, we'd be, I have no confidence that he would have been able to get that away, elusive away win. So credit to Foster, especially after Tuesday's meltdown and the impressive reaction from the players and uh, full credit to the 1,200 travelling Green Army, and I hope they enjoyed their day. And just another explanation: football's a very, very funny old game, Clive. No, it it, it really, it really is. Um, Mark, you mentioned it briefly before. Hardy's goal, yeah. great, great finish, wasn't it? And at that point, at two 0 up, it's starting to look like we could run away with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen him do it, you know, two or three occasions this season. That's his angle. That's where he slots it into the corner of the net, leaving the keeper no chance. And keep on doing that till the end of the season, you know, exposing these defences with his pace. Um, get to 20 league goals in the season. Then he might be on that, in that, make that Scotland squad. You know, these goals um, may make the difference for that final spot in the Scotland squad. You know, Lyndon Dykes isn't pulling up any trees at QPR. He has to believe that he can make that squad keep on churning out performances like that and finishing like that. Mm. It, for, another one of uh, Foster's comments in the interview after the game, Chris, was that he was critical of the players at half-time, saying they weren't clinical enough. And it's interesting, isn't it? It's really, you know, it's kind of it's a hell of a high standard he's setting, isn't it, for Argyle? But it's it's good to see. It's good to see. I mean, and he's, he's got a point, really. We should, probably should have. I mean, Randall springs to mind of a great chance. But yeah, yeah. But he's he's right to do so, isn't he? If you think about it, over the course of a the half a season he's got, you need to be more clinical. And if that means you win some games five nil, great. But I don't think he's saying I want to win five nil. He's saying there'll be other games where we only get two chances. Mm. or maybe one or maybe none um, yeah. and don't look at the fact that it was don't just look at the fact that everything worked you also need to look at it and say how do we improve on those for other games which again feels like a great coach doing the right yeah. things mm. yeah absolutely I feel like we need to spend a bit of time on Adam which will be music to your ears Mark in particular he <laughs> Many sites of him as man of the match yesterday. He won the most jewels. He was just so dynamic, wasn't he? And just everywhere. And I'm really, really happy to see him in the team, getting some minutes. I prefer to put time and energy into developing him over a lone player for the pure selfish reason that we benefit from that. 
and he's just and, and he's he's he can play at this level, can't he? He can do it. Absolutely, he's one of the first names on the team sheet for me. But uh, you know, his performance would have been crowned by that goal he should have had yesterday. But uh, you know, hopefully, this is the start of a regular spot in the team for him. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that Ian Foster sticks with this team against Ipswich on Saturday. So, you know, continues with this, give them the credit credit of this performance, uh, barring injuries, of course. So I hope that, you know, we see, uh, despite Forshaw maybe coming back into contention, I hope that, you know, the vote of confidence for that performance at Borough by giving them another go against Ipswich on Saturday. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure there's much more left to say, but I feel like we should be saying a lot more because it was such an impressive win. And such I think a- you can talk. Let's talk more about other people who had good games. So, and, and also on the Randall piece, like I do understand the point around more clinical finishing, but it did. It reminded me of the conversation around people have around that was a good penalty. Like, it wasn't a bad finish. Like sometimes, especially the follow up was a good stop. Like. It was a good save. So mm. I don't think you want to, you know, say he's got an issue with his finishing. Yeah, if he just slid it into the corner, we're three 0 up. But it's going at pace, like like a caught and bold mark almost when it comes back at you like that. It's it's harder than in others. But the what about Pleggy? I mean, I for no reason other than he seems you know quite charismatic. He had a good start. Didn't really put a foot wrong yesterday. I mean, he could have had two penalties against him on another day. I suppose we should mention that. But it's it's just so nice to see, because you do worry about squad depth after a crushing 3-0 defeat. But he played really well yesterday. And Phillips is a great player. Elton played really well. And sorry, Galby played really well yesterday. I still think Devine's a great player. Like there is There is some depth there. There is. There is. That there is. I just. I'm really happy to see the likes of Pleggy and Houghton and Randall, who've had a, maybe not Houghton, but definitely Randall and Pleggy, who've had a bit of a stop-starty season, never a real clean run of games, especially Pleggy. And I'm. I just want to see them get some time. I mean, they've got to be good enough, right? They've got to earn it, but I think they have. I want to see them get some time, and then really kick on next season, kind of cementing their spot into in you know, in our team. Because Pleggy, yeah, he's. I don't. I still don't quite know what to think of him. I like him. I don't have a p- particular problem with him. But there's not a huge <laughs> data set, you know. <laughs> he's had such a stop-start time, like I say. But yeah, again, yesterday looked really, really, really good. And it'd be interesting to see if Ash Phillips comes back in the side. Obviously, there's a, now we've got the luxury of no midweek game, and the players weren't able to do themselves. So hopefully, like Mark says, an unchanged lineup for next week. Because that, to me. I'd, I'd, what do you change? I mean, Mumba, possible casualty of that, right? Yeah, the, this team deserves to start for me uh, at home park. Um, give them the chance to repair the damage of uh, the West Brom defeat. Any scar tissue there, and let them, you know, go for go for the Ipswich. It's a, a tough game, an even tougher game than uh, West Brom appeared at the time. But mm. you know, if you can't have confidence after the uh, the win at Borough, you're never going to have much confidence. The fans need to 
get behind the team. There has to be no lasting memory of West Brom when that whistle goes. The fans need to get behind the side and uh, back them. It's important. Um, it's maybe not a given in the current um, social media environment, but it's important as a group of fans that we back this side and back the manager. That's what I believe. Mm-hmm. We should um, give a shout out to our dear friend Alex who made the trip over from Chicago and was there. Poor guy was probably thinking midweek, what on earth have I got myself in for? And then gets one of the most memorable away days of the season, or the most, definitely. I mean, even in recent times, so I'm delighted. Delighted for Alex. What a day. What a day for him. All right. Should we leave it there? Part one done. Any any closing comments? Mm, I just feel like we, we need to, we, we might have done some of the other plays who played well at this service. Gibson had a great game. Yeah. Galloway didn't put the foot wrong. Mm. Like it was some, yeah. It's fantastic yeah. when a combination of the plan, the execution of the plan and the opposition all come together. And yesterday it did. I thought Miller, yeah, Miller, had, been... Miller was good. He, this, yeah, there's so much promise with him, right? There's so much promise. And then it's often that final ball, which I appreciate such a cliche, but I feel that is the case with him, but sometimes it's lacking. Or it just it fizzles out, but he's he, he I think he's doing well. He's doing well, and people are starting to acknowledge that now. He's he's only you know I spoke about Leggy not having much time or not a consistent amount of time. He's there week in week out now, Miller, pretty much. And, and again with his injury record, that's impressive. And very safe yeah, pair was, of hands. Safe pair of hands. Catch. I was safe. amazed that he was able to play relatively um, pressure free with that yellow card that he received for that brilliant handball. Um, he managed yeah, to survive yeah, on the pitch and he had a good 90 minutes like you said I want to talk about Brendan Galloway and you know I was listening to Aaron Cusack's uh, you know reviewing Ashley Phillips's recent performance and where he where he can improve mm-hmm. and it was Galloway that uh, Mr. Cusack was headlining as you know where he can learn from his positioning and the type of challenges that he makes inside and outside the box, it's anticipation. And I want to give Brendan Galloway a three-year contract, and that's probably massively tempting fate with his injury record. But he is an absolutely outstanding defender, and at the moment, he's not a lone player. He's one of our, he's, he's a Argo player, and I want to give him a new contract as quickly as possible. Yeah. I'm not going to let you stop, Archie. I'm not going to let it stop. So what about, let's keep going, right? So Sorinola. What, you know, there's a few people, God, he hasn't played. Other fans don't seem to like him. He's, you know, fair play to him. He had that brilliant dancing in front of the Devonport end when we won at home. Said last week that energy seems to carry him through. You've got a goal. And again, to reference Alex, you know, one of his things after the game was like watching him at the end. Like this is it's a I know the only person we haven't really mentioned is Morgan, right? Who was relatively quiet yesterday in the sense of not scoring, but didn't do a lot wrong. But so I know this you know another great example of where the recruitment strategy works. Like somewhat, we've seen something in him, and you get the sense that the belief, the culture of the club, 
is helping someone that was having a bad run of luck to get back to his full potential, and he's absolutely loving it. Mm-hmm. Makes me mm-hmm. happy. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. he's, having, he's having a great time, isn't he? Sorry, Mark. It's amazing that we're you know we're waxing lyrical quite rightly about all these players um, for their performance at the weekend. And look how far we've come after West Brom, where you probably mm-hmm. couldn't find a positive word about much. Uh, uh, so that's it's just typical of football. How quickly think things can change. What three points does for you? Um, uh, just it was very good that we did get that three points because all those other crazy results at the bottom of the division, and we, you know, that should give us the platform for you know maybe to learn a little bit about. West Brom. Okay, we we were awful. It wasn't great, but it was just three points. That doesn't mean that we're going to lose every game in that abject manner for the rest of the season. It's just three points, and uh, I think we just need a little bit of a you know a wobble sometimes and a reality check and uh, get behind the team. Yeah, now Mark, you've teed us up beautifully for part two. I think one person we haven't given a proper uh, moment in the spotlight, Ian Foster. He certainly, I mean, you know, you see all these cliches flying around. You know, he did a job on us, a tactic, you know, out tactic, tactic, <laughs> Michael Carrick. He, he certainly did do something right. I don't quite have the tactical understanding to tell you what, but it worked. And he, he, he deserves a lot of, a lot of praise, a lot of praise. <clears throat> well, I think we think he does. There's some that still seem unconvinced and determined to be unconvinced by, you know, digging in after a bad result. But, yeah, I think he deserves... There's there's still not enough games to get a real data set, especially in such a topsy-turvy league where everyone's results can go up and down. But if, you know, Simon said it a couple of weeks ago, and we've said it, you know, we feel like we've hired a great coach yesterday combination of the coaching, the decision on the tactics, and the opposition, I'll say it again, all work for him. So I think he deserved nothing less. Mm. What about I mean, the birth thing that their fans, apart from the fact they left early, how would you feel if the Azaz situation was reversed? Like he was taking having his photo taken with our fans before the game, didn't show up, got taken off, and then after the game spent a lot of time, you know, giving a cuddle to his former teammates. Like, if I'm Carrick, you might be getting him in and saying that wasn't exactly what I want to see. Yeah. Well, maybe we I, saw that through that lens because he is a significant player to us. But that felt a bit weird to me. Like, great for I, us, but very odd. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a comparison. I think Bali was quite friendly with the Sunderland fans when they came down. Albeit we won 2-0, of course. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I think the size the comparison between the two clubs might help. We are a small fish in comparison to them. You know, they're ex-Premier League. And they will look at us as, you know, little old Argyle and, they prob- and they'll see they don't, we're not a rival for them in their eyes, are we? So they're, as a fan, I'm probably thinking, yeah, he's gone off to see his little, little, old, <laughs> little old teammates. And It's true. Yeah. Sorry, maybe I should make my point a bit clearer. They lost 2-0 at home yesterday and didn't have a shot on goal, right? That's that true. feels quite familiar to us. If during that, one of our players was having photos with the away fans 
and laughing and joking with the team. Yeah. Just very odd. Very odd. Mm. Yeah. We pick up on it. I guarantee we pick up on it in reverse if that was one of us. 100%. And we're relatively level-headed. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I... I appreciate this has been the longest slow wind down of any part in pod history. Um, My second yeah, coffee's you... kicking in. I'm ready to keep going. Come on. <laughs> no, you're, you're <laughs> right. It was it. And the, obviously we had him and then Silvera, who very nearly joined us in the summer, if rumours are to be believed. It was interesting seeing those two, you know, fire blanks and have a pretty mis- miserable day at the office, really, wasn't it? But, yeah, look, best of luck to Finn going forward. I'm still gutted he left. Not bitter at all. Totally get it. Um, but what a player. And luckily for us, had a, him and his team had a pretty severe off day yesterday. Uh, all right. That is that really is the end of part one this time. Back in a sec to discuss West Brom and the repercussions of that re- result in a second. Okay, welcome back to part two. Now as positive as part one was, we've got to look at the West Brom game. Obviously, you haven't met since that game, many have dubbed it worst the worst Argyle performance in recent memory. Chris, do you think that was a fair comment? Uh, yes. There we go. Part two over. Um, <clears throat> it was, yeah, it, yeah, it was. But you can't you can't have a game like yesterday without a game like West Brom. Right? They just came right on top of each other. If you look, if it, if it happened over the course of a season, you might say that was our worst performance and that was our best performance. But everything that could go wrong on Wednesday appeared to go wrong. And I keep saying Wednesday, Tuesday, or was it Wednesday? Does it matter? No. But against West Brom, Tuesday, everything, everything failed. But it is a sport. It's not. You know, we're not tinkering with a machine. That if you align these parts that it will guarantee that it works in a certain way but it's almost not here and i think it's also easier to i think it's easier to be magnanimous when you're watching on your phone or your laptop i think there is something more visceral if you're in the ground for what was 90 minutes of pure hell because nothing we didn't do anything did we not only was it terrible 90 minutes of pure hell? I mean, you were telling me at halftime that I should stop moaning, for example. Yeah, I, this, so, right, as you've gone there, I, that's why I, I've said it so many times, why I like being in this division. There is another world in which we held out for 60 minutes, right? On paper, mm. we held out for 60 minutes. And even their goal was a bit of a bit of shitty defending. Mm. But to me, there's still another day where it was an abject, terrible, unwatchable performance where we drew nil-nil. Yeah, I mean, on another day, you know, I'm not the penalty. JB was bundled over in the box. If that's at the Hawthorns, um, for them, I'd suggest that would be given with uh, more baying fans. Um, we were nil-nil after 60 minutes, made a couple of substitutions, and as soon as that, um, you know, that goal, first goal went in. I mean, second half, we didn't, we were awful second half, but despite that awfulness, we were level on at the hour and we fell to pieces after that. It wasn't, it wasn't great. 
but you know, maybe I, I'm you know I'm in a position. You know, I I watch the game. I'm in a position to move on. It's only three points. It doesn't mean that we're going to lose every game at home three nil for the rest of the season. And because you know, there's a mentality because Leicester had just lost to Borough, we were automatically going up to Borough to get stuffed and have our tummies tickled. Uh, there was very, understandably, there was very little positivity after Tuesday. And I do back up Chris's point about if you're actually there in the flesh, it is it is a lot worse than than me watching it on my on my lap laptop a long way away. Um, I get that. I absolutely get that. It really hurts, to, especially because we seem to spend a lot of the game passing it back to Hazard, you know, and really had very little idea about um, we never tested the keeper with no shots on target. And that was a particularly, you know, unique uh, sort of game for us in recent seasons. Um, yesterday, I don't want to talk about West Brom anymore. Yesterday, we did not pass it back to Hazard unless it was absolutely necessary. You know, we changed our tactics and there seemed to be absolute focus on doing things differently from Tuesday. We had learned from that, obviously different type of team, maybe, um, maybe we were more comfortable away from home this season, uh, you know, now under Foster because of the, you know, recent performances at home. Interesting to see how it develops, but I've moved on. I encourage everyone else to move on. It was only three mm. points. It doesn't mean that we're going to be shit for the end of the rest of the season and go down. It's just three points. I think there, it was, there was a plethora of factors, right, that caused what was a meltdown of a magnitude that I haven't experienced in years, I think, off the top of my head. I can't remember something like it. The, the Foster's comments after the game, I think we should address it because that did cause a lot of unrest amongst the fan base. The comment being when Errington pressed him on the zero shots on target, right? And Foster replied with, or the history, history rather, of uh, good attacking football at home park. And Foster replied with something on the lines of, you know, you've been playing against worse teams, quite frankly, during those four years, which is factually correct. But, uh, Fans, it didn't go down well with fans, Chris. What were your thoughts on it? <laughs> Such a big question. Firstly, I yeah, I keep an eye on what managers say, but I always thought match of the day went to shit when it went from being highlights to sort of five minutes of the game and then ten minutes of hearing what the manager had to say about it. Like I've never really quite got the the importance of hearing a manager's view of a game, right? Which might make me a Luddite, but I'm quite happy with it. So firstly, for me, the analysis of words can be a little pointless. Press conferences, Mark, you're the expert, historically were an opportunity in a world before social media where people could actually express their opinion that the journalists would then use to write up the match, whereas now they are kind of an open training session where everyone in the world gets to see stuff. Is that good? Is that bad? It's different, right? So firstly, honestly, I couldn't care less what someone says. If he'd have come out and said, you know, I take full responsibility, that was dreadful, maybe that would have been better. But 
materially does that matter to me no the second thing is i feel in a good way that he's talking to his players and doesn't necessarily care how that gets written up that is a high risk strategy but if you listen back to it he says what's the point in listening to this i've now listened to this press conference three times um he was defending his team he was just absolutely blocking any question and saying the team were exhausted the opposition were great the team were exhausted the opposition were great that probably is a better thing to hear if you're you've just walked off the field than if you paid 20 quid to come in and watch us get murdered right so i think there's that i think that for me the most important thing is the you hit on it archie the level of toxicity this week is beyond anything I've ever seen, ever. And that, I think, is partly this combination of factors of bad result, visibility of press conference, immediate access to thousands of opinions. Yeah, I, it's it's not just about the game anymore, is it? The game, mm. you know, for those of us, if you want it to be just to be about the game, go and watch Parkway. That, yeah. You know, have a couple of pints, watch the game. We're in a world now where those things do matter. So for everything I've just said, I totally get people who might have a very strong opinion about what he does or doesn't say. Yeah. It's just such fine margins. We've already forgotten that we were a couple of seconds away from beating Coventry. um, And it's totally out of proportion. That was was a real gutting uh, last gasp equaliser we conceded against Coventry. Uh, Leeds, yeah, we had our moments. We were getting tired. The games were stacking yeah. up. West Brom wasn't great, but it's totally out of proportion. It's just a game of football, three points. There's automatically, I think, um, you know, yeah, we were bad against West Brom. And you automatically think, if you read any amount of social media, that we are going to be equally as bad for every game for the rest of the season and relegation is absolutely nailed on. That is the gut um, reaction, you know, the knock-on from West Brom. And it's just not it's just not going to be that way. But, I mean, yeah. the only way is to stay off social media and don't, don't feed the morons. But, Mark, this is a world you understand and have experience with. Do you think Foster slipped up in that press conference or... Are you more sympathetic to Chris's view that he was purely in defence mode of his players? I've watched, uh, you know, I've been in many press conferences over the years and uh, I've, (laughs) you know, very few managers that I've experienced can be that honest and, you know, he was trying to back his players, back his team in the light of some really tough games recently. Um, yeah, of course, you could say, yeah, that was totally unacceptable. We weren't good enough. But I think the players, you know, they will know, they would have been hurt by the second half against West Brom in particular. And by doing it the way that he's done it, Ian Foster, I mean, we're talking now after that brilliant performance against Borough, and we've got the three points. So it doesn't matter what, Foster said, it's worked. He's got the reaction against Borough. I've moved on. I encourage everyone else to move on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we need to learn because the next defeat is coming at Home Park, whether it's against Ipswich 
or Leicester or or whatever it is, Preston. It will happen. We've got to just got to deal with it. We've got to stay in this league. It's not going to get any better by panicking and thinking that we're relegation fodder because we've played so badly against West Brom in the second half in particular. Nothing. We need to stick together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I hear you. However, I th- we do need to we do need to be honest on, and I'm not saying you're not, that's not a comment to you directly, Mark, about the levels of anger that were reached on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You know, there were those genuine foster out calls. Foster with a clown emoji th- thing paint, painted on his face. The club's recruitment strategy was questioned. He was called Choice F. He was said he, people were saying that it was a cheap option. It went beyond having being very angry at a, one game of football. And all those things I've just listed were popular trends on the social media. And like you say, Mark, if that is what one game does, I really, really worry about what could happen if we'd lost yesterday, if we lose three in a row, if it gets really nip and tuck of the relegation fight. Where are we left then? Well, we'd better grow a pair. That's uh, basically, you know, we really, really need to get ready. We're in a relegation fight. All the t- other teams seem to be uh, picking up points. Um, the whole league is, apart from the, the top three or four, is, is very closely bunched. Um, we have a great opportunity to stay in this league. Um, if we panic and self-combust, we're going to be, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot, you know, as a group of fans. We, I would hope that we want the best for Plymouth Argyle and that this season is to stay in the championship. We get nothing, nothing to be gained by uh, uh, panicking and self-combusting at this stage. Just, be, you know, we were so close to being Coventry, Leeds, you know, we've seen them, the strength of Leeds recently. Very few of us would have uh, expected us to really you know beat them yeah West Brom was bad but there's no need to panic let's get a grip but people do panic right yeah and to a degree who are we to say what people should and shouldn't do and it it's an exaggerated version In in a let me take a step back so there's a I mean a chat group with a lot of people from home and and it's this is this has been a theme the theme being the fickle nature of our fan base right uh, for years if someone has you know the people who become the victim we've always said always liked him never liked him we'll often do it during the course of a game oh bloody never liked him well, always liked him you can kind of riff on the fact that that is what most fan bases are like incredibly hung up on one passage of play can change your opinion from that person is a superstar to that person is the worst player we've ever had. Right? That's, I don't, that's human nature to a degree, and maybe some of us fight it better than others. But to quote Tom, who's not here, but I think he he's missed in this conversation because his point is, I can't pronounce the word, but it's societal, right? Like Liz Truss is currently on a grand tour of the US talking utter bullshit. I don't even think she believes. But I know she's doing that because it gets picked up. It makes it the algorithm loves controversy. The algorithm loves 
negativity. You know, you post that was, you know, I tried it at half time, you know, on, during the week. To your point, Archie, you know, I've seen better performances, but I don't think Foster's boring. I think he's struggling to get some good teams. And, you know, I wasn't trending on social media as the kind of voice of reason or the idiot. It was just noise. Whereas a funny, if an appropriate picture gets picked up. Yeah, I mean, I'm great, grateful that Stephen Schumacher who left us in the lurch to disappear to Stoke on a helicopter. Grateful that he's not doing exactly a, a very good job there, it appears from afar, because the criticism that Ian Foster's received, you know, arriving when he did and, you know, getting four wins, four wins, three draws, three defeats. He'd done a decent job in trying circumstances. If Schumacher was, was you know, pushing for the playoffs with Stoke, we would be absolutely, absolutely ballistic. We'd be going, oh, Schumacher, you know, what, what, what are we missing there with Schumacher? He's buggered off. Let's get on with Ian Foster and what we've upgraded there. I firmly believe we need to support him, not moan about Schumacher leaving us in the lurch or, or, or pining for that style of football. I mean, I'm, I might be different. I want winning football. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to see a repeat of the West Brom game. You know, I'm not. Uh, you know, that's that's done. It's done. We need to learn from that and move on. But let's get behind the team. But you know, this this is key for the rest of the season, I believe. Yeah, I think that's one of the another parts of, part of the argument, right? A style of football. People don't enjoy it. If, unless we win, of course, but there seems to be consensus that the attack on football has disappeared, that it's dull, almost Southgate-like football is what the comments, you know, there's a lot of Southgate comparisons, which I personally find a bit lazy, but really won't open that kind of worms. Uh, but that seems to be a problem and a label he Foster has that is possibly hard to get rid of. Yeah, second half yesterday was dull, but it was brilliantly dull because they didn't get close to coming back, right? I think there's a difference between constantly trying to score and being open at the back and constantly trying to win. And there were a couple of games in a row where we had very few attacks. I think it's perfectly reasonable on an individual level, to think, oh my God, what's happening? There's nothing wrong with that. I preferred it when we were attacking. So I can see the point of over-analysis and getting concerned about performances, but the level of kind of just the, the toxicity of that in the week was a whole other level. Felt personal. Very, very. And like I said, I, it, it, my greatest fear was wh- where does this lead to and what, what are the repercussions of those comments, which are seen by you know players, staff members. Where does that, where does that leave us, you know? And we talk a lot. We talk a lot about loyalty in football. Yeah, we go mental when Lowe leaves us in the lurch and Schumacher does the same. But isn't part of, you know, coming back to the media, you know, we wanted a media savvy manager, right? 
you mentioned mm. the press conference that maybe to some, I get it, wasn't the most media savvy thing to do. But I think the other side of surely in the FA, part of the media training is do not read and take any notice of social media. Like you, you must be instilled on you. If, you. if you're an author, like very few authors will read reviews of their books. Because why would you? You wouldn't write another one because you'd have Steve in my house saying that was shit and then like never reading one of yours again. King out. Like if, if Tom is right that this is a bigger issue than football. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a shame Tom's not here today. He had lots to say on it. Mark, is there any, um, anything you'd like to say on this topic before we move on? Well, you said, Mark, I think it'd be I've, interesting to go back to your I've point regarding, go, regarding going forward, though. I think that's a really, really good point about how, as a fan base, we stick together. As a club, fans, players, how we stick together and support one another. Well, you know, we have Ipswich, uh, arguably a harder, even harder game than West Brom, you know, for what their, their feats this season. Um, you know, it's all a question of style, of course, you know, that we might set up um, like we set up against Borough, you know, that seemed to suit us very much. But, you know, the next defeat isn't far away, wherever it is, whether it's against Ipswich or, or whatever, but we need to be ready for that and not uh, a re- danger of repeating myself and not panic and uh, trust Trust the players, trust the coaching staff, and uh, let's keep ourselves in this division. You know, there's a lot of clubs fighting for their lives, you know, and we can only make it tougher for ourselves by panicking. And, uh, you know, every focus should be on about supporting the players on the pitch and really, you know, letting them leave everything out there. And uh, obviously the players reacted brilliantly yesterday at Borough and that's a really positive step. West Brom is done now. You know, the definition of insanity for me is doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results. And that, uh, compare that, the next defeat is coming. It's how we re- re- react uh, to that is important as a group of fans. The players reacted brilliantly at Borough and let's move on. Chris, any closing points before we move on? Live and let live. Live and let live. If people are going to be excited one week and upset the next, fair enough. None of us are going to change the seismic shift that social media has put on the world. But there is a positive. This is the this is the the irony that social media can do wonderful things. I, I put the alerts on yesterday for the academy team, right? Who went four one down in a game that they had to draw and came back to win four each. And I had the pure joy of it felt like the early days of social media. I just like every time my phone buzzed, there was an alert of you know our youth team coming back. And it, it felt like teletext. It felt like the old days of watching TV spinning around. So you've got to take the positives. You know, we've got access to stuff that we didn't used to have access to. There was moments of joy yesterday following that. So 
I guess what we all need is some kind of lesson in how to interact with social media rather than trying to change the world. Yeah, no, you're quite right. Uh, going forward, what what are our thoughts and feelings on the relegation fight? Because essentially that underpins a lot of it, right? We're, that we're scared of going down. We don't want to go back down to League One. Now we've got 12 more points to attain. We to get to our 52 points goal that Jusnip set out, which seems very doable, 12 going to left to go, Mark. What are your thoughts on, are you concerned about the relegation scrap or are you looking onwards and upwards? Um, after yesterday, I'm not overly concerned. We've got so many six-pointers, though, coming up, you know. We've got to play Rotherham away. They will hopefully be already doomed. Sheffield Wednesdays, that's the that's the big one coming up. Massive six-pointer. Stoke, we have to play away. QPR at home. Millwall away. Uh, you know, those. that's the bottom five as it stands. Uh, those six-pointers, that's where it's at. Um, thankfully, a lot of tough games out of the way. We have Leicester still at home, Ipswich at home, two of the top three. But those six-pointers against the dregs at the moment, that's where it's going to be decided. I mean, we could have a very peaceful, serene end of the season, you know, if we hold our shit together. I have backed the players and the, and the coaching staff to get it done. We 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 can do this, absolutely. I don't, There's no, you know, we could have a very peaceful end of the end of season preparing for next season mm. type of uh, you know learning curve Chris or or we could have a complete meltdown please not please not it's Chris. um we're not we're, we're kind of uncomfortably mid-table is is where we're, where we're sat and we'd have probably I'd have definitely taken that at the start of the season for being where we are, it just, it reflects the nature of the league we're in. And Mark, I do agree with what you said. I do. On paper, those games against the bottom, the other five around the bottom are more important. But yesterday, not just for us, yesterday in terms of all results, do show that anything's possible, which kind of brings me back to the foster point and why people get upset is maybe giving an indication that you are fearful in any way of the big sides may not be a great strategy because they're beatable. Middlesbrough beat Leicester. So that's where I can see the logical angst of look at this quality of the teams we're playing. Because another answer to that is we beat Norwich 6-2. Middlesbrough beat it, uh, Leicester. Anyone can beat anybody. So... Yeah, that's where I can see a thread of maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should be looking at next weekend. And it's it's which are like a really good Middlesbrough, right? But they play a yeah. very similar style. And no. maybe the style. Oh God, I was about to say something relatively tactical there, but go on, go on. <laughs> I'm going to get it wrong, but it's no coincidence to me that our two worst performances of the season were against West Brom. There's something that I don't understand in the way they set up that we struggle against. But actually, we looked okay at Ipswich. 
and they're start, they're a very good side that plays very good football, but maybe they are open to being hassled and harried and intimidated into underperforming. So maybe three of those points come on Saturday, just as likely as not. Yeah. Something I just want to add, it's a bit of a tangent. I, I, li- I was listening back to one of our older podcasts under the Schumacher era, which sounds really vain, but it was just interesting to get a perspective of what, where we're at a couple of months ago. Anyway, point being, we were talking about all the problems that that style of play brought, you know, that we had to score two to three goals a game to win, left us so, so exposed, and it it wasn't sustainable, right? You know, Tom was speaking about the stress of going to home park because away form was written, was, you know, written off, was no, wasn't open hell of getting a point away from home. So then every home game was like a cup final, but we're having to score three goals at least to get a point. Why am I saying this? I just think it's easy to romanticise about what's been. And we need to have half an eye on that and acknowledge that whilst it was some of the best attacking football we've probably ever seen at home park, it had its own set of problems as well. Ipswich, Mark. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a team we've been was intertwined with for a few years now in our promotion race. Uh, Usually we play them in early October or so and beat them 2-1 at home. It's a different time of year. Uh, I've got lots of... I mean, that away trip to Portman Road last year, Bali Mumba, 92nd minute winner. Incredible. So I'll always kind of associate... Was it Equaliser? Equaliser. Sorry. Equaliser. Get the Freudian slip, right? That, That... it was on. It was I can't. Point. Yeah, I, stri- I, I bore people with that story, but it was just such an amazing, amazing moment. Incredible moment. Uh, anyway, what am I trying to say? Ipswich, we know them kind of well, don't we? Usually a good game. You excited, Mark? So we can back up Borough, you know. You're only as good as your last game. Um, repeat myself, it's important we get behind the team. You know, Ipswich seem to be back on track um, from their recent you know, poor run and they're, they're looking good. They'll be pushing for the three points. They will need the three points because Leeds have been so good. They will leave themselves open, you know, chasing the three points and hopefully we can exploit, you know, like we have done in the past. We have a decent record against Ipswich. I mean, they were lucky to beat us on Hope Soil. 1-0 up, Whitaker goal, Bundu penalty, should have been a red card. You know, on another day, we get the away win up there. Um, under Schumacher, but uh, yeah, let's let's go for it on Saturday. Hopefully, the you know their star will suit us, as you just said, and uh, we can get the three points. Mm. They need they needed a ninety six minute winner at home to Rotherham, right? So there's that side of it. Um, they've also, I believe, I never wish this on a professional footballer, but. <laughs> friend of mine is an Ipswich fan and was and I said this around yesterday you know like the real difficult day yesterday because they played some lovely stuff great day out with his kids but a lot of their key players got injured like, okay that's good to know um, so who knows who knows what team they have to play you know you take I, I still think there's a couple of players in that team that the driving force, if Morsi's out, for example, it changes their whole approach because he's the bite in the middle of the field. They've got, they rely on playing excellent football 
So maybe we need to find a way to bring them down to our level, which is what we did yesterday. Mm. But we lose 3-0, but at least we have a go. I think everyone would be upset if we decided to play back to hazard, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And I don't think we will. I think it comes back to the theme. If you try something, it doesn't work. You do something different. And that was what was so good about yesterday. It was yeah, such a reaction yeah. in formation, in attitude, in everything. We showed we can bounce back. Yeah. No, you're quite right. Maybe we didn't stress that enough. Sorry if we didn't. Regarding Foster, I mean, you know, his ability to fix apparent mistakes. We spoke about it a few times, and I'm very wary of, you know, moaning about Schumacher. But he, they are a direct rival now, and he is he was a huge part of our club. He's currently having an awful time. Awful. Seven defeats in nine. It's... I'm not, I don't really have a question for you guys, but it's incredible how it hasn't worked out from there. And they are now looking like they're in genuine risk of relegation. They've got a tough run. Um, it really, it really, it really plays with me because I don't think it's unfair to take a certain amount of pleasure in the hubris of his decision not working out and the manner of his exit. I don't. I think you know sometimes, like you say, there are consequences. To quote somebody your actions i think he's on the sidelines it's brilliantly predictable yeah you're getting paid well but you're in a toxic environment in a team that's spending more every year and progressively moving down the table on paper it's exactly what you might have expected to happen right but there is still a little part of me that doesn't like to see someone who did such a good job for us so obviously broken like he looks like a different man. He does. He does. It's not really yeah. a surprise that it's not a surprise that he's not been able to turn it around because better managers than him have failed to turn it around in the last period of time. Since I mean, Pulis was you know their successful manager, got them in the Premier League, you know, and he was moaned out of there for his style of football, and not nobody's been able to turn it around. You know, better managers than him. Alex Neal, Michael O'Neill, Nathan Jones, Gary Rowett, Paul Lambert, Mark Hughes. So, yeah, I mean, as a former employee of Plymouth Argyle, you know, we, you know, a few of us probably wanted him to do a good job, but, you know, he left us in the lurch. Uh, Am I bothered that it's not really working out for him? No. Because they're a relegation rival. Um, exactly. I don't want to see him, uh, you know, struggling uh, health-wise or mentally because of what's happening at Stoke. But you know, football's a very brutal business, you know. So um, if it comes to April and we've got to get a result at Stoke, and he's still their manager. Um, you know, it's all about the three points. And sorry, Stephen Schumacher, um, I want a Plymouth Fargo win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, that would be a great game. I'm slightly tempted to go over for that. That will be, well, potentially could be. I'm half, be away. To fly. Oh, oh. I'm half Sorry, I'm half tempted to fly back to Stoke Preston. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't that mean I'm 
not blameless. The fact that I've said that and think that means it's only a kind of scale of how much your bitterness can flow over into real life. Like I say that jokingly, but there's a part of me will be glued to that, that result. It's not quite going after the manager, but there is a certain amount of football that is fueled by petty yeah. bullshit. Like, we I love, am far yeah. from blameless. We love the pantomime, right? We love the drama of it all. Mm-hmm. We love it. We love. Like, there's nothing better than Holloway going to Leicester and failing, and you going up there, Chris, and beating them one nil. That is like that. That's but those to have, but those to have the meaning and the resonance that they have. You need a three nil rushing at home. Yeah. No, like no, otherwise, no. there's not really any clubs on the world that exist like that. Like City are having a sticky pack, but still right up at the top. Mark, you know. Would have been Bayern Munich, would have been a good reference point until this season. But it's life. You need you need the 3-0 miserable nights to appreciate the 2-0 fantastic away results. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was necessary. Incredible. Yeah, maybe that's why I wasn't I couldn't afford to get too involved in, in the meltdown because I had I mean Bayern Munich had just lost three games in a row and I had to write about Thomas Tuchel and him leaving at the end of the season and they were absolutely in panic mode. They've just lost three games in a row. They're on the verge of, you know, they're competing for their 12th Bundesliga title in a row and this is uh, this is the sort of uh, you know, the panic and the state they're in and I, you know, so at least I was busy with uh, my other work there on on Wednesday and couldn't completely uh, expose myself to the social media graveyard. Well, social media graveyard, Archie, if we're, if we're getting close to wrapping up, even if we're not before, I think, Mark, you've got a quiz for us, haven't you? Hmm. Yeah, I've really, you know, I've taken great pride and effort in in this week's Chris, uh, quiz, Chris, and I encourage the listener to stick around. <laughs> well, Again, so the paradox of social media. My fa- this is my favourite over the last twenty four hours. So, Alan Meads, if you if you listen, hello. I'm sure you don't. What an adventure that was. Left Cornwall two a.m. Saturday morning. Two breakdowns. Missed thirty minutes of the football. Managed to lift back to Plymouth and find somewhere to stay the night. Glad to be back home in rainy Cornwall. What a day. What a result. Up the bastard Argyle. That's what it's that that that's what it's all about. There is that that exists. You just need to find it and celebrate it. Yeah. Speaking of celebrating and being aware aware of your successes and you know essentially being grateful is kind of what you're alluding to, Chris. Talkie United, slight tangent, admittedly, but I feel we should acknowledge it. I remember remember being Boxing Day 2012 in the stadium, being delighted with a Tyler Harvey 90. First minute equaliser against Torquay, who are a much better team than us at the time. They've obviously entered admin this week, and yeah, what am I trying to say? Really, really sad to see. Really sad. We know firsthand what it's like, right, Mark, to be an admin, and how look, look how far we've come and how far they've dropped since that 2012 Boxing Day game. Yeah, 
yeah, it's uh, horrible to see. I mean, I have a soft spot for Torquay. Um, I've actually, you know, I've been to play more a few times when Argyle haven't been playing back in the day. It's, you know, I enjoyed it when Adam Randall was on loan there. You know, I like to see that build up in the cooperation between the clubs, you know, as opposed to Exeter, for example. But, you know, it's, it's horrible to see. And, uh, you know, hopefully there can be some sort of... Uh, you know, hopefully there's a way forward for Torquay United as a as a operation, as a as a viable club. Hopefully it's not the end. I think it's important that you know where possible, Argo fans um, support Torquay as much as they can. Um, don't want to see them disappear from the landscape. No, yeah, Chris, you know firsthand what this kind of situation can can be like, right? Yeah, and it's. Um... It's, it's it's bigger than Torquay. It's it's almost a risk of not being in the top six of football pyramid. But we're only ever a kind of benefactor away from having similar challenges. It's a it's a weird business, a lost making business where wages are increasing. There's a shelf at that level in particular on how many people you can get in the ground and where you can get your revenue. A friend of mine's on the board at Rochdale and they're you know, trying to stave off liquidation by the end of March because there's just, there is not enough money to sustain what's happening. And I remember I wrote about it back at the time that went up the line, not the Pasotti one started, that it was, there was a part of me that if it, I'd condemn, I'd condemn, yeah, I'd condemn this. I'd, I'd assumed it was going to happen. And the only thing that kept me sane was that someone somewhere would get a group of semi-pros, stick them in green on a field somewhere that I could follow those results. And in a weird way, would it be any different? Like, it's almost like nicotine. Like, it's, you're not really doing it for the pleasure of the outcome. It's just keeping you going. I think that's the irony is if you, I would support... It's so deeply in my DNA that the, that this is a fantastic time in the history of our club. But we've had some terrible times. And if the worst happens at Torquay, I'd imagine there'll be somebody who's connected to that club that will form a FC, AFC Torquay that ironically will probably get a bigger crowd for their first game than they're getting today. And I hope that's the case if they don't get saved. No. Yeah. Best of luck to them, um, like you say. Go in and watch them. If you've got an Argyle free weekend, it's certainly a great way of supporting them. And it's certainly something to keep in mind, right? When we have what we feel as a crisis, you know, to look up the road and see what is a genuine, genuine crisis. Yeah, best of luck to them. All right, time for a wee break, and then we're back for a quiz. You can go on with your quiz. Okay, welcome back to part three. Now we'll wrap things up with a quiz. Mark Lovell, over to you. Right, thanks for the opportunity to do another quiz. It's a real genuine highlight of my week. So this week's quiz is loan signings that turned later into a permanent deal. So obviously you will probably know a a couple of members of the current lineup that uh, arrived first on loan but that's basically the quiz i will name a team or the team that 
they arrived on loan and later they joined us on a permanent deal. There are a couple of trick questions, but I won't, uh, I won't I'll possibly give you a clue at that stage. But um, is that clear for you, for you both? Yeah, I will name the club that this player arrived on loan from and you give the name of the player that I am referring to by the club, okay? He's going first. Archie's going first. Okay. Right. We'll get the easy ones out of the way first, shall we? Norwich City. Bali Mumba. Swansea City. Morgan Whitaker. Okay. Now it becomes a little bit trickier. Okay. Blackpool. Ryan Hardy. Okay. Now it gets a little bit harder. Okay. Don't want to see Ryan Hardy getting harder. All right. Peterborough. Oh, I got it. I got it. He shares the same last name as our keeper. As our goalkeeper. And it's not Connor Hazard. Foster. Goalkeeper. Hazard. It's not Connor Hazard. That's it. Cooper. 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 <laughs> oh, George Cooper, moving on swiftly. Right. <laughs> All right. This is okay. You have a choice of two players here. When I say Bolton. Ooh. I don't know that. Could you give me a year? Okay. Um, Bolton, October 2002. Or... Oh, okay. I've got that. David Norris. Yeah. Chuck Norris arrived on on a month's loan initially in October 2002. So there's still one available for Bolton. Okay, Chris. There's another one of uh, where we have two options. And it's Crystal Palace. This one of them I'm thinking of went on to become a. He was Welsh and he went on to become a manager. <laughs> can, we, can we have another one of those quizzes where it's stupid names or villages? Yeah. Or, like which 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 stand is the highest? Yeah. Better at them. He he was a manager and admin. Yeah, administration. Fletcher. Yeah, mm. Cole Fletcher. Yeah, obviously. All right. Porto. Akos. Second uh, surname. Bazaki. Okay. I was there. I was there for his debut. All right. This is especially not, not especially for you, especially for you, Chris. If you to Preston North End. I'll be, I'll be disappointed if you don't get this one. Ferenc Varos. Ferenc Varos. Timar. Christian Timar, January two thousand seven. <laughs> All right, Archie. Um, Debrecen. Peter Halmoshi. Peter Halmoshi, good pronunciation. Uh, Chris, Rotherham United. Slightly trick question. This uh, player arrived on loan 
from Rotherham United in 19... Roughly when? 1986, roughly. 86? Tommy Tyler? Exactly. Fired us to promotion. All right. And the final one, Archie, okay, is Chelsea. And he had... He had a particularly fine game yesterday, I felt, in the centre of the park. Yeah, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. What? what? How, you're speaking about Jordan Houghton, right? Exactly. Yeah, he, later, that's a, he, he later joined us on a permanent deal. That's the end of the quiz. Thanks for your cooperation. <laughs> Let's move on. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that I had I had the uh, Palace one lined up. That was Moni... Um, one I had left over, Banton. Yeah, Jason right? Banton. Well done. Yeah, he oh. joined on, on deadline day in 2013. There was another Bolton one, and that would yeah, have been that? O- Oscar Frelkeld. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, were there no loan signings back when we were doing when everyone was named after a village? Like there was okay. no like Willie Gloucester or something. That it, we I think back Oscar- to 1993. I can give you one. Is that another slightly tricky one? Tottenham. Tottenham. Any guesses there? 1993 Tottenham. No. Lee Hodges. Oh. Yeah. T. Later oh. joined about ten years later. Oscar so. Oscar Threlkeld had about four debuts for Argyle, didn't he? He had he four spells at the club. Yeah, he was a particular must, must be a record. Eric. So yeah, thank you. That's uh, an hour of research last night. I hope you're particularly thankful. Thank you. Good knowledge. Good knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. No. Thank you, Mark. Once again. Thanks to the listener for listening. (laughs) Indeed. Thank you, listener, for listening. That's the end of today's episode. Mark, Chris, thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. And we'll be back with you next week. Bye.